Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet. I'm your host, Wayne Malou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors take care of business. Uh, I mean, this was never much of a contest at all, and you never really expect it to be. But uh, yeah, the Raptors beat the Cairns, Taipans, the Cairns Taipans. I've heard it a couple times in different ways uh, tonight. But yeah, 134 to 93. Raptors, I mean, it was like 20 to 5 right away. Um, there's a clear difference in, in class, not even just between the NBA and the NBL uh, in Australia, but as I understand it, um, Kansas even have like two of their top players. They, they, they've seen them drop out over the course of this trip. One got COVID. The other one, um, you know, there's a birth in the family. And so, you know, they, they left and, uh, you know, the roster isn't that strong as is. And, and, you know, they seem like they only play like nine guys today. So, um, the competition wasn't fully there. And, and I think that that's where it's difficult to really evaluate or take too much from it. Um, I think that, uh, you know, in, for the most part, you saw what you needed to see. And, uh, you know, there were no injuries from this game, which is huge. Um, obviously, the Raptors are already down a couple of bodies. Um, you know, no from the difference from this game to the last preseason game, for example, which was over a week ago when they played in Vancouver and beat the uh, Sacramento Kings, um, they they didn't have Yaka Pirtle, and, and Yak was, uh, he was sick. Uh, he had, uh, you know, he just, he was sick, so he wasn't available to play. It's his birthday today, by the way, too, so that, that does kind of suck. Um, although I am happy to report that all the players were able to gather around uh, just before the game, uh, after they sort of did their walkthrough, and, you know, they wheeled out um, like a TV screen with like a laptop, and I think they sang happy birthday to him on Zoom, which was kind of nice. Uh, but yeah, no Yak, no centers really in general, because Christian continues to be out with sort of that unidentified uh, respiratory issue that's been sort of been on and off for him. Precious Achua, apparently he's been working more and more in practice. You've definitely seen him in practice. I've been there the last three days. Um, and you've seen him working. You've seen him shooting around and stuff like that. But he has yet to feature in the Raptors preseason setting. Um, so I can only imagine that they're ramping him back up. And, uh, yeah, so that kind of leaves you with no centers. And so the question was sort of who was going to play in that position uh, for, for, for the – for the day, at least, who's going to start at center? And it turned out to be Chris Boucher, who played 13 minutes at center, was quite productive as usual, um, you know, just cutting, moving off the ball. And, yeah, I mean, look, for me, I think today the ball movement was less than what we saw against Sacramento. I know the Raptors had 34 assists. I thought a lot of that came in transition settings rather than sort of in a half-court setting. And I think it's really just a function of how uh, Cans defended. Um, they switched everything across the board. They just switched everything. And so when you really do that, a lot of your off-ball movements, a lot of your off-ball actions, the ones that we saw against Sacramento, um, and, and, you know, I'm I'm not sure if this is what, you know, Cairns typically plays, uh, but I do know for a team like Sacramento, for example, they don't want to switch too much. They don't want to get Sabonis out on the perimeter. They don't want their guards having to guard, you know, the centers, for example. So they're less uh, willing to switch, and they're trying to keep their matchups, and they're trying to fight through screens, and the Raptors did a much better job of moving the ball. I thought today... They're, you know, because of the way that, uh, you know, they were playing in terms of just the game and the switches and all that kind of stuff, a lot of the off-ball actions weren't really there um, for the Raptors to attack and exploit in those same ways. That does not to mean that you can't have effective plays where you're cutting and moving, even against a switch. I'm sure that, you know, there will be other ways to attack it. But I also think the other part, too, is just I, I don't really see how seriously um, this team really competed. I thought really it came out. And after about two, three minutes, it was very clear that, like, okay, yeah, the Raptors hopped out to a 9 nothing lead right away. They nailed, they nailed their first three threes, which is great. I can't remember the last Raptors game where they came out and actually knocked down their first three threes. But OG got a three. 
Uh, Scotty got a three. I think Pascal might have got a three as well. So it was just really quick. And it was really easy. And they got up immediately. And it was very clear that, like, you know, they they were going to win this game. And so it, it's, it felt like at certain points, not only were they sort of incentivized to attack more one-on-one just because of the switching, but also um, I thought it, it almost felt at times like guys were just trying to, like, make some highlights out there or at least, like, look extra good. And, I mean, I would say some of it, hit some of it didn't hit um you know I, I think again taking too many uh takeaways from this game was a little tough but for example I, there was not enough ball pressure from canes or canes cairns cans one of those teams um there was not enough ball pressure to really have that many turnovers so when they were turning the ball over to the raptors it was mostly just like making the wrong read forcing a pass that wasn't there um and for me that just Okay, like you saw Scotty, for example, had five turnovers. I mean, um, he had the ball a lot. He continues to have the ball a lot. Did pretty well outside of the turnovers. But, you know, at the same time, it's like trying to force these passes that aren't there or even doing a no-look pass and stuff like that. Like, it's just I'm not really going to hold it against him because of the context. Um, but at the same time, like that's sort of where those numbers come from, right? Just him forcing a couple of passes. Um, when he was sort of playing within the flow and, and, and especially in transition, he was looking great. I, I'm loving the, the three-point shot that uh, – you know, he's continued to work on. I mean, even just watching, like, him at practice, um, him at the game today, even just warming up, like, the three looks a lot more consistent from him. It's still a bit of a slow release. It's still not something where, um, what, as he's gathering the ball off the dribble, for example, it's not, like, the quickest trans- like um, transition from getting it off the dribble into your hand off to the shot. Uh, but at the same time, like, that's already, like, a pretty – notable improvement i would say over previous years where i think the consistency of his shot just looks a lot better um just again just you know it, it's things like he was string five makes in a row uh, consistently rather than like two or three makes in a row consistently in the last couple of seasons well i remember the first time i saw scotty at least warm up was two seasons or three seasons ago now it was against washington him and delano used to shoot together and both those guys just made the assistant coaches run up and down the floor like it, it's not like that anymore i think scotty definitely um, has been putting work in on that shot, and it, it looks smoother. It looks more consistent. Again, the the again, it's not like he's going to be like pulling it up off the dribble just quite yet. But I think we're talking about like a couple of things where catch and shoots. You know, he's willing to take those. We even saw a play today where uh, the Raptors had the ball inbounding baseline, and they had Scotty screen, I believe, for OG in the middle of the lane then flare back out, uh, come, come around a screen from the center. So I think in this case it was Chris. And Scotty was able to catch and shoot for three. And they intentionally called the play for Scotty to make a catch and shoot play uh, from three off a, you know, baseline out of bounds. Like that's a set play that they're actually looking for him to shoot the three. So I think all that's kind of encouraging. That was one of his two threes. The other one was sort of a catch and shoot, I think, from Dennis uh, who drove it. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, like, Obviously, Pascal, I thought, you know, he brought the sharpest approach to the game. Um, you know, he, he got it. He picked up two fouls early on, which was strange. I'm, I'm not really sure what the whistle was in this kind of game. Uh, but clearly, the Raptors had the athleticism advantage and, you know, they had 30 foul, foul shots. Uh, but Pascal did commit a couple of fouls early on, um, just a bit of a half beat late defensively at times. So they're creating a bit of a bump. But offensively, you know, I mean, what can you really say? Like, it was really easy, especially in a game, again, where there was a lot of switching. So, um, Cairns was giving up like mismatches of guards or whatever on, on Pascal, and they weren't really helping on that much either. So Pascal was able to just score very, very easily. 
Um, you know, got seven rebounds, three offensive, five assists as well. Just did a really great job overall. I mean, I'm, I was never really concerned about sort of what Pascal was going to do. We know what his quality is as a player. It's kind of consistent, you know, year in, year out. Um, and you could say new system, not new system, whatever. But he's a good enough player where it doesn't really matter what the system kind of is. Um, and, yeah, again, like they built a really strong lead right from the start. Um, you know, I, I think once again, we saw a similar pattern from Darko where, uh, he played closer to what his real rotation would be in the first half. And the second half um, really allowed some of the third or even four stringers to, to really get their minutes in. So starting lineup is kind of the same thing as before. Uh, once again, Dennis starts over um, Gary Trent. I mean, that's been the consistent part throughout all the training camp. So I'm, I'm not surprised to see it continue here. Uh, obviously, they didn't have Jakob, so they promoted Chris. Chris was playing center for the backup unit. So that was pretty straightforward. Second unit, it was Thad Young uh, and Gary Trent. I think those were the first two subs who came into the game. And then you had Grady Dick. You had uh, – who else did you have coming off that bench? Um, McDaniels, Jaden McDaniels. uh, And also Malachi Flynn being the backup point guard. And, I mean, that seems to be the rotation. If there was 10 men, that that typically is what it would be. I think it would be curious for me, like, okay, Otto – by all accounts, Otto is back. He was in the building. Which is a big difference from last year, for example. Otto, once he got hurt, just stopped showing, like, not stopped showing up to the team. I just meant, like, you'd stop seeing him around the team. I'm sure he was rehabbing. His season was kind of over. So, again, like, it's not too much of a surprise he wasn't traveling with the team. But, you know, I think from basically December onward, I really didn't see Otto anywhere. Um, to, I mean, obviously, he's been around practice, been in training camp, all that kind of stuff. By all accounts, he's healthy. They're just not playing him. Um, so, we'll see sort of what the official answer is there. I think Darko has sort of just been saying that, like, you know, I guess they don't want to risk anything or anything like that. So I was like, okay. Uh, but he was there. Um, you know, Precious, uh, hopefully he gets to ramp up and get some actual uh, minutes in because I really want to see what he looks like, the progress that he's made, uh, what he looks like, you know, in, in that sort of playmaking role in, in the center of the floor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, otherwise the rotation kind of is what it is. And um, I, I'm definitely watching for sort of how some of these bench guys are operating. I thought Gary Trent took some really good shots today. And really made a concerted effort to pass as well. Um, the Gary does this thing where when he passes, he makes a very pronounced kind of thing to, especially when he he'll do like a very simple like swing pass from like the corner to the wing. And he did one for OG, and OG knocked down the three. But you notice OG like Gary passes and then sort of like holds the pass, almost like he's doing a kamehameha. You know, like a he just holds his hand almost. It's it's like a it's a pronounced pass, let's just say. But. I, I, I appreciate that he, he's showing more playmaking chops. I thought he got great looks today. He just couldn't really knock those down. But obviously, we know what Gary can do as a shooter. Had no issues with the way he played. Um, I, I, again, I, I'm liking the on-ball pressure from this defense as well. Uh, it's harder to evaluate defense just based on the fact that, again, like most of these players you haven't even heard about um, that, we saw, that we saw here tonight. Um, Malachi's been playing a decent amount uh, as a backup uh, point guard. And especially if they're going to start Dennis, it does make sense for them to also play Malachi. And listen, Malachi is going into his fourth year. The Raptors have obviously drafted him. They picked up both his options, um, you know, outside of that Tampa season where the last month of the year, they obviously played him a ton and it got him rookie of the month honors. I mean, outside of that, we haven't really seen any sort of consistency um, or even potential for Malachi um, outside of sort of like smaller bench roles which there is a spot for that but at the same time obviously we know that you know the backup point guard position has been a, a struggle for the Raptors and he does have other players competing for it but it does seem like Malachi is in the lead for backup point guard and you know he is noticeably bigger as well it seems like he really bulked up um 
And yeah, I mean, just even watching him in three-point competitions, him and Dennis have been hanging out a lot um, at practices, for example. Um, they do this drill each time we come in. We're Basically, we're all just sort of just like penned in the media room uh, at the practice facility. And then eventually, you know, they open the doors and we're able to walk in. And, and obviously, that's after the practice portion is done. We just see mostly post-practice. And yeah, the, the, the shooting game that they've been doing, it's been, I believe it's Dennis Malachi... Uh, Javon Freeman Liberty and oh, and Garrett Temple, those four guys, and they're doing a three point competition, uh, uh, you know, post game where I think they need to make like 10 makes, uh, sort of on spots around the arc, um, and then they need to go consistently make like five backwards, some sort of around the world kind of game, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely been a lot of chirping between Malachi and Dennis, all sort of like good hearted. And um, you even saw that connection today, for example. Malachi made a really nice in-and-out uh, hesitation dribble, completely froze the defender, and then made him look silly as Malachi blew past him with that little hezzy move. And after that timeout was called, uh, you even saw that, like, uh, Dennis was on the floor kind of, like, imitating the move and sort of, like, you know, complimenting him on it as well. So there is a bit of that connection. But anyway, Malachi's been playing a little bit more. He came into the game, knocked down his first two threes. I think the playmaking for me is not, like, really a strength for his like he's not consistently generating opportunities where you know he's he's creating these great chances to score um he's not necessarily like um breaking down a defense consistently or sort of putting that pressure but i do like like, once again similar to the sacramento game he is running the offense and i do feel like when he's on the floor it does kind of lead to more order um in terms of the plays actually being run now of course i think you need some actual advantage generation as well from your guard, um, you know, there's a lot of times where plays break down, you give it to your guard, they got to create something out of nothing. But at least Malachi is doing a decent job of sort of running the plays and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought he was fine. Um, again, it doesn't excite me all that much, but still, he was fine. We saw some minutes for McDaniels once again. Uh, missed his first two threes, but was able to really adjust his game and sort of just crash the glass, make a couple of cuts. That's how he got mostly got his buckets. Defensively, the Raptors didn't really have rim protection. Again, no centers here. So there's a couple of times where they scored it over Thad in the middle. They scored it over McDaniels. McDaniels is just a little skinny, so like holding his position is going to be a little tough. Um, you know, in terms of the rim protection, sometimes you got to absorb that contact um, and then challenge the shot. And uh, if you don't absorb that contact, if you have the strength to absorb that contact, then um, you're going to lose your position and have a h- much harder time contesting the shots. So, I mean, whatever. It's not like McDaniels is going to play center for the Raptors or that really shouldn't happen. Uh, we also saw Grady Dick um, in a more extended role. I thought, honestly, he could have played even more. I was a little disappointed that they took him out. Um, not to say that, you know, he's a fourth string kind of guy. And, and I do understand that you want to balance out some of these guys' minutes. But at the same time, I wouldn't have minded seeing more Grady Dick, um, especially in the second half. But then again, he did play like, Quite a bit. 17 minutes is actually the most of pretty much anybody on the roster for the Raptors. And uh, yeah, for the most part, you know, what's been interesting is so, you know, the Raptors have that NOAA like analytics board in the practice facility. And and I know a lot of it was made about it. It was like, oh, these robots are sort of, you know, forcing the Raptors to change their three point shots. It's not like that. All the data really does, as I understand it, is it shows you three things. It shows you whether the shot is left or right uh, of the rim in terms of, you know, uh, that if it's going to be long or short uh, in, in terms of your shot and then also how much arc is on the uh, on the three-point line and I guess the only thing that's like typical I, I would say is like you know if there was something that's like t- 
kind of controlling of your shot, it would be mostly the arc because that is more of like an optimal projected angle. I'm pretty sure it's like 45 degrees uh, of the rim. But like that's that's all that data really tells you. And I think what is really interesting watching that thing um, and even having a little bit of experience with it myself was just kind of like, okay, you can definitely see consistently what your shot looks like, right? Or you can definitely see like if there is consistency on your shot, if there's that result. Like for example, watching OG shoot it, like it's kind of like straight green right down the middle. Green is like the sweet spot in the middle and then red is on both ends, whether it's like left or right. For example, if you're dead center, you're green, right? Um, OG, for example, is like pretty much three straight greens. Um, Precious, which is a little surprising, but like just, you know, hits the, the three straight greens quite a bit. Um, Gary, you know, just guys like that, right? At least from the last couple of days that I've been watching, uh, it does feel like the, the results are a little bit skewed. I wouldn't necessarily say like Grady was just missing a whole bunch of shots. And again, I wasn't there to watch enough of volume. Um, like I'm not seeing him shoot like 300 threes. I'm seeing him shoot like 50 threes, for example, right? So I do think that there's a bit of a small sample bias. However, even just watching sort of the feedback uh, in terms of the tracking data, it does seem like there's not as much consistency as sort of you would typically expect from like really, really elite shooters, right? There's some shots that are like a little long, a little short. Uh, some shots are left or right. Some shots that are flat, some shots that have a lot of arc. So um, that was a little surprising to me. But regardless, like I, I guess that's not too, I guess I'm not that surprised to see him come into the game and miss some threes. I think it's just like maybe right now, I, I'm, I'm, right now I might just mean like this specific week. Uh, it, it's looking a little bit kind of like inconsistent. But, you know, he was able to knock down one three. It was great. Um, the crowd obviously loves him. Um, so when he checked into the game, it was a big cheer. Um, not as big as Vancouver, and they weren't chanting the same way. But still, you know, obviously a very popular player. Got in the first half, got in obviously for a lot in the second half as well. Might have played the whole third quarter, actually. And he got in for a cut, uh, you know, and, and he finished the layup, which was nice. I, I liked his positioning. He got a couple of deflections, uh, you know, made the good read for a couple of rebounds and, and made a couple of nice extra passes that didn't even necessarily result in assists. Do like that he makes quick decisions, doesn't hold the ball much. You know, he's cutting, he's receiving the ball, and he's either shooting it or he's making a little drive to get to that mid-range area or he's swinging the ball right back. And so, you know, those are good things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, they're not – I don't know. I, I guess you have to remind yourself that he's a 19-year-old rookie, right? So, like, uh, any sort of consistencies that you see right now is not really going to be reflective of sort of what he's going to be. I think long-term – you know, there. I think there's still every reason to be very optimistic about him, and it'd be very absurd for any sort of thing to change in that regard. But I mean, the, like, maybe in terms of expecting him to contribute right away from day one of the regular season, which begins in like ten days, um, that I think that's probably a little bit difficult, um, and it might take a little bit of time. But regardless, that was the second unit. The third unit came in, which honestly interesting. So I mean, for me, Jeff Down Jr. not coming in until like pretty much. Middle of the fourth quarter was concerning to me. Like, I feel like Jeff has done a really good job with the Raptors in limited time. He did a good job with the 905 as well. And I don't know if they've shown that same love back to him. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's it's pretty clear. I mean, sometimes you can know someone's intentions just by what they're doing. And the Raptors signed him, obviously, didn't convert his contract last year in the two-way. Kept him around, but signed him to a $0 guaranteed deal. Training camp, his uh, 905 rights were traded. And... You know, he's not coming into the game until very late. And I'm not trying to make a huge issue with this, but it is very clear when Jeff Down comes into the game that he does have much more experience and he has much more game than some of these guys right now. Like, that's not too surprising, I suppose. He is 26 years old. That's significantly older than most of the other guys on the team, especially in that sort of, like, developmental pipeline. But he contributes and he plays. And when he came into the game today, he looked great. Coming to the basket, you know, just made no mistakes. You know, got to the hoop, 
you know, did a good job. Um, you know, I think that his competition in that sense will be Javon Freeman Liberty, who did manage to take one of the Raptors' three uh, two-way deals. Um, and, you know, they dropped aside him after Summer League. He was named, I think, second team all Summer League. And, uh, you know, I thought he did a good job as well. Came in, was able to, you know, slash, made a good, um, a couple of really good reads going to the basket. Great in transition as well. Took some contact, was able to finish. Um, you know, banked in a three. I mean, he definitely shot that super long, but whatever, banked it into whatever. Um, but he looked good. I would say those two are kind of in competition. But, I mean, I mean, it's competition, but it's also not, right? Like, one guy has a contract, the other guy doesn't have a contract. So, not to say you can't cut somebody and, and sign somebody, but at the same time, that's what it was. Marquise Noel even got in before um, Jeff Downton. And my concern with Noel is just, like, there are obviously going to be, like, real moments of awkwardness where other team just kind of completely takes advantage and, and just, like, like, right away, as soon as he came into the game, like, the opponents were trying to post him up. Guards were trying to post him up. Like, for example... Uh, Cans randomly just has Alfred Payton on their team. But Alfred Payton immediately, like, posted him up and took him to the basket and scored, you know, the front and one. And it's like he couldn't even really make a play on the ball. But what's unique about Marquise is that for a guard, I feel like guards are typically not used to players getting under them. I feel like guards are always used to playing maybe against a longer defender, against a slower defender, and they're able to use their quickness and play angles and all that kind of stuff. But they're more worried about sort of what happens up top. Right. I think the advantage that Marquise has is that he's definitely always in front of you in the sense that, like, you know, he's not getting beat off the dribble and all that kind of stuff. He's got the quickness to sort of um, stay attached. And uh, what happens is he 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 was very successful today. He had like three takeaways, I believe, where he was just able to, like, reach in and, like, grab from underneath almost where he was able to steal the ball. And obviously that's the only zone in which he can really patrol uh, and contribute defensively. Even things like rebounding is very tough for him. Guys are just literally jumping right over him. Or if there's no help rotation and he's not getting the steal, a lot of times the guys are just driving straight to the basket uh, with him unable to physically contest. But at the same time, you know, he was able to... I mean, I'm surprised he only got credit for one steal. I, I definitely saw at least three takeaways uh, by by uh, Marquise in the paint. But yeah, I mean, like, outside of sort of like, you know, the, the thing that Fred used to do, I guess, like heavy hands kind of thing... Um, you know, you're not feeling much effect um, defensively on that front. I mean, offensively, he was able to sort of play within the team concept. Created the advantages a couple of times, I suppose. But overall, it wasn't like, you know, he was dominating on the offensive end. So that's where it's difficult, right? It, obviously, we know that defensively, there's going to be a, a real trade-off. And that needs to sort of be made up offensively. Well, we haven't really seen it so far in those two um, preseason games. And, and even in Summer League, it wasn't like he was, like, dominating. I thought he was good, but it wasn't, like, dominant. Like, for example... Um, Javon Freeman Liberty played a lot better than him over the balance of Summer League. Uh, obviously, he played for Chicago and then he got signed to Toronto, but still, you know, um, he did a, a decent job. So, you know, I, yeah, some of the third stringers, I mean, McCord Maker came into the game, you know, big. I, I would say, like, not particularly fast or quick. Um, I would think his advantages today were mostly with his size. Um, I say, I would guess he has more of a power forward game, um, but. Didn't necessarily see it all sort of click today. I mean, a couple fadeaways, uh, missed a three. Uh, nothing really that stood out all that much. I like Garrett Temple's approach coming into the game, just making quick decisions. Uh, but obviously, we know he's not going to play all that much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, oh, Ron Harper came in, kind of checked in, checked out. Okay, it's interesting. Kind of goes to the basket. Hasn't been able to knock down the threes. His shot is just a little flat, and he releases a little low. Um, 
kind of almost, it looks kind of like a, a chess pass in a way. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, he wasn't really a standout in summer league either. So uh, I'm not too much of us in shock that he wasn't really featuring all that much here. But it seems like he's probably going to be spending a lot of time with the 905 again this year. And um, yeah, I think that kind of covers. Oh, I guess. And Thad Young. I mean, Thad played backup center. Again, similar to the last couple of years, you, when the play breaks down, you just give it to Thad in the middle of the post. Guys cut, and he makes a good read, or he posts up. I mean, he did a really good job today, I thought, overall. Um, only t- mistake I saw from him make was he sort of, like, miss, didn't, couldn't catch a pass. He couldn't squeeze a pass going to the basket on the roll. It was a really nice pass from, I, I think, Malachi might have set him up. But, uh, yeah, aside from that, he did a really good job. Seven rebounds, two assists, a steal, nine points, four of six shooting with that, with an and one in there, so... Uh, nice, nice kind of moment. I think the only notable thing from this game in particular was just uh, there was a fair number of NBA scouts in attendance tonight um, from different teams. And obviously, they weren't really here to see the Raptors. They were here to see uh, Bobby Clintman or Bobby Clintman, uh, who is, you know, in contention to be a lottery pick for next year. Difficult situation. Again, like the team wasn't that strong around him, um, but definitely got you to warm up and stuff like that, you know. Looks like a very smooth athlete. You know, gets up easily. What six, seven, six, eight? I would say in that area. Um, got great bounce. Is you know able to knock down some shots. Again, whatever. You can't see that much in warmups, uh, but you can see a guy getting effortless windmills or like you know knocking down a fair shot or open threes, for example. Um, but seeing him in the course of the game, like it's just such a stark reminder of like how big of a difference is. I mean, not only is he like I'm sure he's only like 17 or something. Like, him having to get guarded by OG was just hilarious to watch. The first time he had the ball trying to attack OG, OG was over him, all over him to such a degree that I felt like Clement couldn't even, like, trust that he could put the ball down even once. You know what I mean? So, no advantages that he was able to create whatsoever against the Raptors starters. Second unit came in, and then he was able to get out and transition a couple times. He caught Grady, for example, sleeping. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to assess. I really, really don't envy the job of scouts. Like, it's hard because... You hear his name, you hear like, okay, maybe he's a potential lot like a lottery pick. Maybe he's a potential top five pick. He could be the number number one overall pick, for example. Um, but when you watch this kind of game, you're like, he's, I mean, he, he's struggling to score against, you know, Javon Freeman Liberty. Like, what does that really say about the guy? So it's hard to say. But I mean, he looked good at warmups. I, I guess that's my assessment so far. Uh, we'll see what the scouts say, and also we'll see how he develops, right? Because again, he wasn't really playing with much talent on this team, and from what I understand, like. Like, Cairns, like, they're not even that strong of an NBL team. Like, this is not exactly like, okay, we've got, like, the uh, the, the 86, you know, Celtics of the uh, of, of the NBL. Like, we're talking about it's sort of a good to, you know, mid-tier kind of tank team over there coming over here. And in difficult circumstances, like, they're signing Alfred Payton essentially just to play this preseason tour. Apparently, they tried to sign Derek Travers as well, um, but they couldn't fully get that contract done. Like, they're just kind of trying to get by with this group, so... Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm not. I guess I'm not too surprised to see a huge difference. So those are the most of the takeaways I had. I mean, I didn't even think the pod will go this long, but I do appreciate everyone for listening. In terms of your three stars from tonight's game, get the first side of Pascal: twelve points, seven rebounds, five assists. Did really well overall. Um, yeah, I mean, it just. I don't know. I mean, obviously Pascal can get buckets against these guys, but I think especially again, like when teams switch a lot, you will start to see less in that of that point five basketball. And I think also when they switch a lot too. Without Jakob uh, in the middle, you don't really have that, like, clear size advantage where, like, you're forcing that double team all that much. And so when there's a lot more one-on-one play, like, I mean, Pascal's definitely the best one-on-one player on the team. So, uh, yeah, he, he played really well. But he also played well in the context of the team as well. Had a nice really um, – some good reads and transition. I mean, 
What, what more do you want? You, you played great. Uh, your second star from tonight's game, I would probably give that to Chris. I really like Chris's effort tonight. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 3 steals, a block in 13 minutes. 3 of 6 on the field, 6 of 8 from the foul line. Uh, I like the way he was cutting. Like, even watching him before the game, sat down with uh, Jim Sand, assistant coach, to, to watch film courtside. And just, the, again, I'm not trying to snoop, but, like, just the angle sort of where I'm typically, like, situated and standing kind of near that tunnel where the Raptors sort of players walk in. Um, and they were sort of sitting with their backs to the thing. So you can clearly see, like, what they're kind of going over, and they're watching some clips from that Kings game, and you could even tell, like, you know, um, the, the opportunities that they pointed out in terms of, like, that the cuts that could be made and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, I mean, Chris just does a great job with cuts. By the way, we actually had a whole conversation about this um, for for the show. So I had an interview with Chris over the weekend on Saturday. I was able to get down to practice. And so you'll actually be able to hear that interview tomorrow uh, on the Raptors show when we go live from 2 to 4 p.m. I think we're supposed to have that around the 3 o'clock time. But regardless, you can definitely hear on the podcast. It was a really revealing interview. Appreciate Chris a lot for his honesty. We, we got it a lot into sort of the issues that took place last year and also sort of how the Raptors have tried to go about fixing it. So definitely make sure you catch that interview. I'm not just gassing it up. I think Chris really did a great job um, sort of articulating his points, but also being very honest about it, which I thought was very fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about the, the cutting, for example, especially in this point five offense. And yeah, Chris got a lot of opportunities to cut. I mean, it helps that guys are making the extra pass. Like you see the concerted effort a lot in transition. Like OG turned down a couple of like easy layups just to feed Chris on off the cut, or like Scotty did that, or Pascal did that. So these guys have done great. Oh, and then Dennis. Oh yeah, I guess I didn't even mention Dennis in terms of the you know. But I mean, Dennis is mostly coming in and setting up the play, getting out the way, um, and occasionally takes over, and it's very easy. I mean, it's hard to get the ball off of him. He's definitely a very secure ball handler, um, and he gets to most spots that he wants to on the floor. I, I like that he has this gear where he can turn it on and off with the, with the scoring, but this is a very balanced game. Like Again, like Pascal had seven shots, Chris had six, OG had six, Scotty had six, Dennis had six, like, you know, all those guys. But I would say out of the five guys, Dennis is actually probably the fifth option, um, and so that's sort of the, the style of point guard he's doing right now, which is just setting the table and sort of letting the other sort of action get, you know, get going. It's very similar to what he did with the Lakers. So... Uh, and then, yeah, your third star, uh, I, I, honestly, I might give it to Malachi. Yeah, Malachi getting the third star. You know what, honest, no, Freeman Liberty, I want to give it to Freeman Liberty. I, I'm happy for him. Um, was able to show his athleticism. Again, like, bigger guard, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, maybe even, I would say, probably 6'5". Um, Three-point shot is not the strongest, I would say, but, you know, it's not like he can't shoot out there. But, you know, good handler, has a good size. Like, it's sort of the, the Raptors have had one of these player types on the roster for quite a while now, whether it was, like, a DeLon Wright kind of type or like, uh, you know, when they were doing a Pat McCaw or when, you know, they had Delano, for example. Like this is just a, 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 a art, like a profile of player that the Raptors have kind of liked. And so, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think like with most of these guys, what needs to click is the ball handling. What needs to click is sort of how they're able to balance between setting up the floor um, in terms of setting up the offense, playing on the ball, playing off the ball, all that kind of stuff largely playing off the ball, which I think is difficult for a lot of guards to adjust to, not having the ball in their hands. But, I mean, I thought he did a good job with it. Um, it's a continuation of what he did well in Summer League. So uh, we'll see if that continues. But honestly, there's there's a lot of guys who played a really decent uh, game today. I mean, it was, again, the competition level was just so significantly different that it felt like any time the Raptors tried, they got whatever they wanted. So um, those are your three stars. Your Gerald Henderson Award winner, if you had to pick one, would be Patrick Miller from the other side. Uh, very, very... Strong point guard, huge biceps, kind of think like a Eric Bledsoe almost style. Um, but yeah, 22 points, five rebounds, six assists. I don't know. I mean, I'm never going to see this man again in my life. So 
that uh, does it for the Reaction Podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Once again, you can catch the Raptor Show. We are back Monday to Friday uh, from 2 to 4 p.m. Unfortunately, no YouTube. I know it's a big decision um, that, uh, you know, I, I'm sure will disappoint a lot of people. I know a lot of people are really looking forward to catching that. You can definitely watch us still on Sportsnet+. Plus. Uh, but uh, and you'll definitely see some social clips, some cut downs, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, I think the best option to find us is to find the Raptor Show podcast feed. Make sure you listen there. You subscribe there, whether you're using Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever you're using. Make sure you use that uh, rate, review, subscribe. That really helps us like surface higher in the charts so more and more people can find the show. Obviously, we're expanding to two hours, so it's going to be Blake joining the show as well. That's going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of NBA as well, especially if the topics get a little thin Raptor-wise. We'll just pivot to a lot of NBA topics. So we'll get a lot more discussions there, a lot more, you know, you know, Alex on the show, a lot more interviews. I mean, I think we're already off to a really great start with interviews. Like, you know, I was just talking about this with Blake, but even just thinking about the interviews we were able to do since the end of last season in terms of just one-on-one interviews, like we were able to talk to Darko on the day he got unveiled at head coach. Uh, in the summertime, we're able to catch up with Grady Dick after the day after he got drafted. We were able to talk to uh, Jakob Pertl and Jaden McDaniels uh, on the day of their signing in in September or in uh, June, uh, July. Get down to training camp. We were able to talk to uh, Dennis Schroeder on the day that he got signed, which was probably still my favorite interview of the of the summer. Although the Chris one is a close second for me. Uh, we had Marquise Noel to sit down. That was really nice. Uh, Patrick Delaney, which, by the way, the Raptors are definitely allowing their assistant coaches to speak a lot more. You saw, for example, James Wade, uh, you know, talk to the media. Saw Jama talk to the media in training camp. You saw, you know, guys like Pat, for example, get a chance to to, to speak for the Raptors. Like, I, th- I think that is definitely a different policy uh, in terms of the what that comes with the head coaching change, uh, which I think is always nice. Assistant coaches should get more chances to speak. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even getting back here, we were able to talk to Jakob again, talk to OG. Oh, the OG interview was also really fun. All this, if you haven't checked out the OG interview, that was really great. Um, shouts to OG's British accent. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, we're going to bring an interview with Chris. So, you know, if you if you like all these interviews, you like the effort sort of that we've made to sort of bring you this kind of access, um, yeah, make sure you rate, review, subscribe. The podcast feed is the most important part. So make sure you do it there. And, uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. The show starts officially tomorrow. The game today, not so official, but, you know, they, they're healthy. They got through it, and they won with ease. So thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we'll catch you tomorrow on the show.